0: Adjacent to the ground
1: Sorry (laughs) What the fuck is happening to me Okay My bad (laughs) I was just trying to It turned out my computer was unplugged So
0: (laughs) That's amazing
1: So I was like oh shit It's gonna like run out of battery And (laughs) <laughs> I'll just like slyly put it back, and yeah, so much for That's that. Funny. So I thought you
0: like dropped something. No, it's all good. You <laughs> just have to edit this part.
1: Yeah. Um. Everyone, it's hardcore football. Uh, I'm your host Phil Baki. I'm joined, as always by my co-host Mika Burrell, Mika. How's it going?
0: It's going well, Phil. Uh it is Thursday night, the night before our local club El Paso Locomotive takes on Oakland Roots in the playoffs. So the nerves are creeping in. So I- I'm glad we're doing this because I need the European mess to distract me. <laughs> <laughs> they,
1: the nerves have crept. The I like the nerves, they aren't even creeping anymore for me. They have crept. They've fully crept. <laughs>
0: They've crept. <laughs> They've arrived. <laughs>
1: They're here. <laughs>
0: I got you. I got you. Uh,
1: but yeah, this is a nice distraction. And I think today's match days in particular, just like neutrality and the Europa league is just a fine combination, um, for enjoying a match day, uh, and just letting the chaos wash over you.
0: (laughs) Neutrality in the Europa league. That sounds like the name of like an academic thesis. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Neutrality I in the Europa that. League sounds like sounds like uh yeah someone trying to make like a European Union style organization post post war <laughs> a
0: UN working group or something the Europa League <laughs> <laughs> Yeah no I I totally get what you mean there were so many different things different bits of bobs here and there just nuts um
1: well, but speaking
0: yeah let's go speaking <laughs> let's of bits and
1: bobs before we dive in, I mean, uh we have uh, some bits and bobs of our own, um, and uh if you 're finding us for the first time, you can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Play all that stuff, and you can also find us on Twitter at hxc football um, and if you go to our Twitter like right this second, you will find up towards the top of the feed a some some goodies mika that you've that you've procured um for the people
0: yes um uh, we've gone ahead and printed out uh, or had printed stickers hardcore football stickers we gave out uh, you know the first lot of our original green uh logo but now we've got the royal purple and the pride sticker so those will be available. They're, the, this is like a first run. It's very limited, but if yeah. we run out, then we'll order more, of course. But there's already people sliding into the DMs for them. So if you want some stickers, if you want one, if you want all three, like just uh, slide into the DMs, send me a good mailing address for you, and, and we'll get you stickers. They're all completely free. Um, yeah. Just something to slap on the old MacBook or guitar or wherever, <laughs> wherever yeah. you would like to put the sticker. Um, they came out really nice. Um, Sticker Mule always does really good, good work. I will say, if you have stickers of your own, podcast of your own, anything, any creative thing you do, if you're part of a supporters group, let's do an exchange. I I didn't ex- we didn't exchange with a uh, AS Roma supporters from Tampa Bay, Florida. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to them. And so, um, yeah, we will take uh stickers as compensation for our stickers as well (laughs) so
1: absolutely the stickers are are sick and sticker mule always does like a really good job they're not paying me to say that unfortunately um but the uh, (laughs) (laughs) right but no they uh the stickers are sick and and uh yeah we're you know i think the design deserves to be signal boosted as much as possible um can't thank Mike Pendleton, who is part of that Roma supporters group in Tampa. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> can't thank Mike enough uh, for the design. And um, yeah, it's just a, a nice little way to to spread the word. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you uh, check us out and uh, get some stickers for yourself for free. So um, Mika, as you were, as you were saying before we do- dove into the admin, uh, there really is only one place to start tonight's episode, and that is on this kooky carousel that we call the manager merry-go-round. <laughs> 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 it's Antonio Conte, three times scudetto winner with Juve, one a scudetto with Inter, absolute legend uh of, of Italian football, and Premier League winner with Chelsea. Um, has joined Tottenham Hotspur and uh, Nuno Espirito Santo out after 10 matches in charge um, in the Premier League and uh, disappointing results, unfortunately for Nuno. So, I mean, a lot has transpired obviously since the news was breaking that uh, Nuno was out and Conte was being targeted and they had targeted Conte in the summer Um, so a lot has taken place, uh, for, for all these things to happen, but there he stood Antonio Conte on the sideline of Spurs in the Europa conference league against Vitesse Arnhem from the Netherlands. So how are you thinking about this appointment? Like, how are you thinking about, about this new situation for Spurs?
0: Yeah, well, if I surgically remove my arsenal hat (laughs) without any anesthetic. (laughs) And after having wailed in pain from doing that, I have to say this is a major coup for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I think Antonio Conte is one of the best managers in the world. Uh, I think that sentiment is shared by a lot of people to be fair. So I don't think I'm saying anything controversial there. He by far was the best option on the market uh, that, that wasn't already in another job. Um I think Manchester United have absolutely missed a trick here by letting him join Tottenham Hotspur. I think I think you put Conte in the dugout at Old Trafford and he does win something with that squad because I think that squad's more built to win now than Tottenham Hotspur is certainly. Yeah. Um so the fact that Ole Gunnar Shelshar is still there and, and, and Antonio Conte is not is just mind boggling to me. Um I definitely am fascinated by how this is going to go, uh, because, I mean, as we know, Spurs haven't won a trophy in, like, 5,000 days, <laughs> I think, and, and counting, yeah. um, and, and Conte wins everywhere he goes. So I am fully here for someone who backs themselves that highly to to continue to do what he does uh, and win things, um, because we know that that's eluded Spurs other than, you know, an out-of-cup, so... Um, yeah, it's fascinating. There must have been some assurances about squad turnover yeah. um because we know that that Don Antonio likes to to spend the money and and get get the guys that he wants to play the way that he wants. Um you know, bit peculiar taste in players at times, but it works. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is fascinating. Um and yeah, I'm just really interested to see. I mean, the, the the best managers in the world are all being hoarded in the Premier League right now. <laughs> so it's making for very, very interesting viewing going forward, I think.
1: It is wild that it's, you know, Klopp, Tuchel, now Conte, Pep, like, all applying their trade in the same league. It seems insane um, that, that that's actually occurring Um in the premier league and that there's the space, I guess at the top for the, all those managers to coexist in the league at the same time. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think it goes without saying that. And <laughs> I really apologize. Cause I know we have a number of Manchester United supporters who listen to the podcast and like, please don't stop listening. Uh, but <laughs> the decisions that your club makes, are just, like, it's mind-boggling. And in this case, like, they have fully fumbled the bag. Like, I just, I can't, <laughs> I can't express enough how big of a miss I think this is for Manchester United. And, like, like you said, it is a coup for Tottenham because Kante won a Scudetto, a Scudetto with Inter Milan, like, not favored, trying to break a long streak of Juve's, like, Rifts with ownership, all kinds of like stuff going on. And that man still went out and won the title. Um, that, you know, Juve had an absolute stranglehold on for nearly a decade. If that guy is thinking about getting back into management, like here's, here's the reality. And I'm actually, I wasn't planning on going here, but I'm, I'm going here for United. This is now the second time in recent history that they have missed out on the best available manager, like having pursued them. The first being Jurgen Klopp. When he ended up going to Liverpool, he rejected United in that summer. Um, And this is like documented in uh, Rafa Honigstein's uh, book, um, Bring the Noise, about Jurgen Klopp. And then now Conte, when... He's got this, like you said, they, they have the squad assembled. Like they have a squad that could win for Conte right now. And uh, this is my uninvited hot take about Manchester United, but I think that they, I think their hierarchy does not want like another, they don't want a wild card. Like they want somebody that they have some modicum of control over. And, you know, they went for the wildcard appointment in Mourinho. It worked a little bit like and then it, it obviously like flamed out spectacularly. I think they like having Oli who at the end of the day, like is going to take advice from like Sir Alex Ferguson. He's going to take on like former pros. He's going to like be malleable to the ownership. Anyways, Conte is not that guy. Conte is the guy who tells the owner to go fuck himself the year after he wins the title and (laughs) and quit like if he doesn't get the budget he wants. So that's literally yeah, that's not
0: even that just happened that literally (laughs) happened. And I'm using literally in the way that it's supposed to be used, not in the way that it's used nowadays. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So anyways, I know I dragged like United into this, but the bottom line is like if if United were serious about winning right now, they would have thrown the bank at Conte and gotten him in. And at the end of the day, a person who we, I think like traditionally is thought of as not being that serious. Dan Levy has gone and got Conte, which is a very serious move. Like for a guy that seemed like he was going full, like Keystone cops, just like this summer in the manager hunt, like, getting turned down by like six or seven people or whatever it was like before they got to Nuno. Um, And this is a hell of an appointment and like a game changer for Spurs, I think.
0: Absolutely. I will add to, you know, the, the Daniel Levy aspect in that we do have to kind of acknowledge the Fabio Paratici angle of this, Yeah, Um, you know, the new uh, director of football at Tottenham Hotspur, obviously he and Antonio Conte go way back to, to Juventus. And so that, that, the italianization of spurs continues um which i again i don't know how to feel about that personally yeah tottenham calcio
1: tottenham london calcio
0: (laughs) yes so um you know credit to paratici for getting conte in but at the same time i i i think that it, w- it was him who brought Nuno in. And when a manager only lasts 10 games, that's on you
1: a hundred percent.
0: So his first big decision really was obviously a mistake. Yeah. And he's having to write that now. He's, I think he's, he's righted that wrong pretty adequately. Yeah, of course, we'll see how it all plays out, but yeah. on paper, I mean, this is a stupendous appointment. The best person that they could get again, like I said, so um, yeah, I think though they played tonight. Yes. <laughs> um and it was fascinating to say the least.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this so we normally would not start anywhere near the Europa Conference League, I don't think. Um <laughs> given the European fixtures that that went on, but Spurs three, Vitesse Arnhem two, um, Antonio Conte on the sidelines for this one, as we said. And <laughs> this is a really weird game. One, I mean Conte wastes no time in implementing his shape. In he sends them out in a three-four-three immediately. <laughs> They've probably trained like twice, and he sends them out in in his you know in in the way that he sets his teams up and like. Um, so yeah, really, really fascinating that you know he didn't try to like play a style that's familiar to the players or anything like that. He was just like, this is what we're playing. Um, and it worked like pretty devastatingly. It seemed from the off, they jump out to a three nil lead and then it started to all go kind of sideways. Once they went three nil up and Vitesse like are a little unlucky not to get something out of this match. Actually.
0: Yeah. I think there were a a couple good, pieces of goalkeeping from Hugo Lloris to be fair um the probably could have equalized at least um you know fair play to them to try and battle back um and you know getting the goals through Rasmussen and, and Beto but yeah um I like the shape to be fair I think it really like makes a lot of sense when you see some of the players that Tottenham Hotspur have you know yeah. r- obviously Reguilon and and Emerson Emerson who who has had a Pretty up and down time since he joined from Barcelona, really by way of Real Betis. Um, maybe this will allow him to express himself a little more while while taking the defensive responsibilities and, and putting them on someone else. Now that someone else is Eric Dyer tonight. Which <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just <laughs> fascinated at how this man continues to be selected. Um, so so yeah, I mean, Heung-Min Son, like he looks like. Like he's energized by the appointment. He's—I think he scored the first goal for each of the f- past three managers, or something like that. <laughs> I saw. Um, so I don't know if that's a good thing or you know if that's a good good omen or like a, a death knell for that manager. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Harry Kane gets an assist. He looked like he was actually trying. But again, Vitessa did come back into it, and and really, the, this defense needs rebuilding. And I think there's a had there has to be some assurances that were made by Daniel Levy and, and Paratici because I just can't see I, I, while, while Antonio Conte is a fantastic tactician, I just can't see him making Dyer and Davies work as center backs long-term Christian Romero. He gets sent off because, you know, for two yellows, I think, cause he was trying to cover so much ground that nobody else was covering <laughs> and, and getting into some really like interesting duels and in areas of the pitch that really he should be having a, a bit more support. So, so he gets sent off Um, but yeah, I mean, Hey, to start, to start with a win, you know, what more can you ask for? And the Spurs fans seem plenty happy about it. Um, just, you know, something new, that novelty, the honeymoon period and all that. So, um, fair play to them, I guess, but, uh, you know, still work to be done. I doubt he's had a chance to sink his hooks into them because there was a lot of jogging going out on and still a little bit of malaise from, from the Nuno era. (laughs) So, um, you know it's like day two day three and yeah. most of Conte being around the squad. So more to come from them, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. He goes with a really hardworking midfield, which I really found interesting as well. Cause he, he leaves some of the like flashier pieces and like maybe more technical players on the bench and starts skipping Heu- or Hoiberg like right. in, <laughs> in central midfield. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe trying to set an example, I guess, of uh like he's gonna pick like the hard workers in the in the center of the park. Um he's like, have you not seen that I Arturo Vidal's been like a key piece of <laughs> my setup? <laughs> like um yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a really it's it's just it's weird like to see him in Tottenham gear and all this stuff. It's just really strange. Um because obviously you know i think i think we've all kind of gotten used to tottenham occupying this weird like tier in between like the top you know four four or five and the you know the next four and five they've kind of like floated in the middle and uh and now i mean this appointment in theory takes them into a into a higher level but i think we are still in for quite a bit of mess with with conte only because he's going to demand a lot of these, of these players. And there's going to ultimately be people who don't live up to his standards and are seeing the exit door like sooner than later. And I think January is going to potentially see like quite a bit of turnover, um, as you said with, uh, for sure, not just players, players in, but, but players out for sure as well, I think. Um, so it'll be, it'll be fascinating. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, Maybe the Harry Kane move gets revived, um in in January. Um,
0: but then well. again, I could see Conte being you know the striker whisperer that he is, yeah. and and inspiring Harry Kane to to a whole new level because we've seen him do that.
1: Yeah, Lukaku, I mean, hit new heights at Inter, and absolutely. Um, yeah, I think
0: you know I, the last thing I'll say is I think that while I I'm not really impressed with the Spurs squad overall, I think the spine. There's there's something there to work with in Romero, Hoiberg, and Dombelé and Son, who has committed yeah. his long-term future to the club. So there's definitely pieces to work with there, but lot, a lot of work to do. And, and Conte did ask for patience after the game. So
1: yeah, I think his exact words were he was afraid of not having enough time, like to to get them to his standards. Um, but you know that was uh, he said we just need need time to work and for them to understand what I expect and physically like hit the levels that I expect. And,
0: um, I know I just said that would be my last point, but I, one more thing, Yeah, I thought it was fascinating that he's retained, uh, Ryan Mason on his coaching staff. Yeah. So, you know, maybe trying to extend some, I don't know, goodwill to, to the existing structures there and get the fans on side. I just thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the reign of Antonio Conte uh starts at Spurs, but not the only notable manager appointment that is seemingly getting done um this week with uh Fabrizio Romano reporting that Eddie Howe will be the new Newcastle manager agreement completed after talks collapse with Paulo Fonseca and Unai Emery, matter of time to prepare paperwork and sign final details to be fixed. And here we go. So Eddie, Howe, the former Bournemouth manager, it looks like he's all but headed to, to Tyneside um, to take over the, the project at Newcastle United. Um, Steve Bruce, having been relieved of duties and this new Newcastle ownership had been looking for his replacement for quite some time. Um, They finally get, their man seemingly in Eddie Howe but another case of a, a club kind of going after high profile targets and missing um and landing on a, you know someone that they've seen as a second or third choice where I don't know that anyone would have been that uh, upset if they had just went and got Eddie Howe
0: yeah it's an interesting one cuz it's like you know, what we saw from, from Fab's tweet was that the choices were Unai Emery, which we know for sure that happened because Unai Emery addressed it. Yeah. Um, but Paolo Fonseca as well. So yeah. it's like Eddie's third choice. Uh, he arguably could have been the first one, like you said. So, um, yeah, this whole shtick about being really public about the announcement just is weird, or the search rather, is, yeah. is very bizarre to me because I, I just don't see what advantage you get from you know letting people know like you're on a list like i'm not, I'm not prioritizing you necessarily um and making you feel wanted but on to Eddie Howe, I think this is really fascinating because the 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 s- drum that I've been beating lately with Newcastle United is I feel like they have no reason to rush this appointment um now that they have this p i f to back them um I feel like they have all the resources in the world to take their time. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a necessarily someone that needs to like, and look, I'm not saying get relegated. Obviously try not to do that, but I think if you <laughs> did, I don't know that it would necessarily be the end of the world. You get the parachute payments, you get some time out of the premier league, you know, hot seat, if you will, the spotlight yeah. to, to really build what it is that you're trying to build. Um, and come back up now. Yeah. Can Eddie Howe keep them in the Premier League? I don't know. He got relegated with Bournemouth, to be fair, after bringing Bournemouth up from the lower leagues. I mean, yeah. he did incredibly there. Plays very attractive attacking football. Questions about whether he can organize a defense. Um, maybe that's a question of personnel at Bournemouth at the time. I don't know. But um, overall, on paper, like I think this is really interesting. He's English. Yeah. Uh, so someone that that the fans can connect to on that level immediately. Um, and, yeah, I think it's really interesting. It'll be interesting to see him back in the Premier League because where was he after Bournemouth? I, I think he
1: went into, like, punditry for a period of time. I think he's been okay. technically, like, out of the game, like, since the end of last season. Um, Got it. And, yeah, it, it it is a really interesting appointment. I think... I think right now he's absolutely the, the correct choice. And I think being a younger manager and having this like pedigree of having come through the the lower leagues and guided, you know, Bournemouth from like absolute obscurity to the, the premier league. Um, he's got the obvious, you know, it's obvious that he's got a lot of, of potential and a lot of talent. Um, I think the, I think the this the switch that ends up flipping eventually is there's going to come a point in time in and I don't think it's right now. I've seen some stuff where where people are like, "Oh, I don't think they're going to be patient with him if he doesn't avoid relegation like he might be out." I I absolutely don't think that's true. Like I think I think that he this season is a free hit. If he stays up, awesome. If he doesn't, he's absolutely the right guy to go win the championship next season. Like um So I don't think patience is going to be a problem. Like I think that this is a longer-term investment. This is a longer-term project. I think where it gets weird or where it gets interesting, really, for Eddie is a couple of years from now when the investments occurred and the squad is back in the Premier League and there's been a lot of money spent, that's when like, the expectation is going to suddenly flip from Eddie Howe, like, you brought this club up and now you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor by like trying to stay in the league. Um, the switch will eventually flip to where the expectation is you need to go win this thing. And Eddie Howe's never really needed to cope with that sort of expectation in the premier league. So that would be my only, my only thought is like, does he then start hitting this sort of like glass ceiling that we almost saw for Nuno where the X ex- like, he looks like absolutely tailor made for maybe David Moyes is another good, like uh, maybe he's debunking that recently, or maybe he's finally developing beyond it. Um, But this idea that like managers can handle like a certain level of expectation and then start to really like overthink it once they're trying to meet like higher and higher levels of expectation. Um, And I think, you know, so I think Eddie Howe is absolutely like made for Newcastle where they're at right now. I think it'll be really interesting in a few years once the money is spent. Like, is he the type of guy that can then go and transition into the next era of Newcastle, which will be we've spent a shitload of money. Now you need to go win trophies. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how he copes with that.
0: For sure. Plus he's never, to my knowledge, had to really cope with a star-studded dressing room that, that, too, you know, that we imagine Newcastle might be in five, six years.
1: The Pochettino um, effect.
0: <laughs> precisely, yes. But, you know, I'm really pleased for him because it's like the football manager of signings. Like, if there's anyone that deserves a club, you know, to manage a club with a bunch of money, it's him because he's proven himself, you know, that's the stick that they beat Pep Guardiola with. So, like, you've never won anything without money and this, that, and the third. And so sure. it'll be really interesting to see someone who has done, um, have a little bit of money and see what he does with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really fascinated to see what happens. Newcastle I think are still looking for their first win of the season. So, you know, in, in some sense there's a little bit of urgency there,
1: yeah. but
0: I, I, I think you're right in that they, it would behoove them to give him time.
1: He takes over a Newcastle side, at a time right before <laughs> right before an international break so I mean the timing kind of makes sense in some ways in that he'll have in theory he'll probably be in attendance at this weekend's game probably not in charge of it Um, mm-hmm. and he'll probably take full charge of the squad over the international break and have time to like with the players who don't go on international duty he'll have some time to start working on things ahead of ahead of their return to the Premier League but um but yeah he takes over takes over a Newcastle side sitting in 19th only four points to their name from four draws and no wins yet so um just a uh a tall task um facing Eddie Howe but you know in fairness 28 games left in the season to to put it right and the teams around them in the league aren't exactly like lighting the world on fire either. A lot of like disappointing starts to the season in there with Leeds and Aston Villa um, in particular, like towards the bottom. So, you know, who knows, Um, but work to be done for Eddie Howe, and it seems like he's going to be the man. I hope this like third choice stigma doesn't stick to him. Like it stuck to Nuno, but, um, and hopefully it doesn't sour the start of his reign at all.
0: Yeah, hopefully not. And I mean, at the same time, who knows how accurate that is. Maybe that's yeah. just the flavor of the week in, in the English media right now because of the Spurs debacle and how how everyone got a, a good bit of shot in front of that, but yeah.
1: Well, we've got plenty of European uh, football to talk, and so we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back. We've got Champions League and Europa League and maybe a little bit of Conference League in there too, but uh, stay tuned. Welcome back everyone to hardcore football Mika champions league this week. And it was, it was a really interesting match day in how there were like a couple of really, really interesting storylines and the rest of it is kind of, I don't know, kind of falling into place. Like some of the groups are, are kind of cut and dry. Um, but the one group that remains just absolutely chaotic is group F. Um, and that is a group that contains, uh, Manchester United and Atalanta who faced off in Bergamo, uh, on Tuesday evening and. Atalanta again, um, with a late lead against Manchester United, uh, brought down by one Cristiano Ronaldo.
0: Yep. CR seven hits the brace. Um, saves United again. And uh, you know, the same kind of conversations started percolating after that is, you know, he's scoring all the goals and he keeps getting the results for United, <laughs> but at what cost? like it's kind yeah. of very bizarre. Um, the whole situation, uh, cause there is this, I think feeling that, that a lot is being done to accommodate him. But at the same time, when you accommodate him, he scores goals. Yeah. So, um, at- Atalanta, man, that's it's just unlucky for them that, again, they can't get it over the line with Manchester United because they started really well, and I thought they yeah. played really well throughout. Josip Ilicic had a really nice goal. Duvan Zapata, like, on nights like these when he's just, like, you know, in full flow, bullying people, like, yeah. just being being him, being a, a battering ram, but also very technical as well. Yeah. He was taking it, I you know, I told you uh, uh, after the match when I watched it, like, he was taking these like thirty yard shots, and I just felt like that was so disrespectful to a f <laughs> because um I mean he does let one through that probably yeah. should not do um after a little bit of a renaissance for him, um some old bad habits mm-hmm. sneaking in there, so yeah, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think Atalanta will be really sick that they didn't hold on to this one um with you know duvan Zapata's go ahead goal, but it's just too decent finishes for cristiano ronaldo yeah um you know that's just who he is he's a man for the big occasion for the big moments he scores the the equalizer really late
1: yeah
0: um and somehow even though united arguably you know (laughs) muck it up every week they are top of group f in the chat so (laughs) uh, (laughs) so yeah that's football
1: yeah. I think and you know, I'm I'm again Mika I I told Mika during the break that I'm I'm not going in on United and I'm like I've I've gone in my one point is that one Duván Zapata I think does, he's he's unlucky to not um grab another goal um in the second half. Yeah. I think like David De Gea in fairness to him despite the the uh I mean, I guess it's an error, but despite like letting in a soft goal when Illichich scores the opener, I I do think that he makes some actually really good saves um, from Zapata, and um, I think once Muriel come or yeah, once Luis Muriel came on, like he was a he was a threat as well, um, the the Colombian strike partnership um, in Bergamo, but yeah, the I think Zapata would just played really well. And I, I felt for him that he didn't, that he didn't get another one. And from a United perspective, here's how I've decided to think about this with Ronaldo is he's got two stoppage time goals. And I would argue, and this is totally baseless, you know, in, in in terms of actual evidence, but I would argue that like, is there a situation where those stoppage time goals aren't needed if they're playing like a more functional system where it's not reliant on Ronaldo grabbing those late goals at the end of the half or at the end of the game because, you know, they're pressing well as a team and linking up play and all these things. I just, yeah, he just... For so, for so much of the game, he's just such a passenger. Like, he's just, he's being, as you said, like, accommodated. And there's so many times, I noticed it in the Liverpool game, I've noticed it again in this game, when a midfielder receives the ball from a defense, like, an opposing midfielder against United receives the ball near halfway with, you know, in this case, we'll say it was, like, uh, Coop miners in, in the middle of the field. Ronaldo is a few yards away and just opts not to press him and lets him turn and run into midfield. Like there's no pressure being put on the ball. There's no, like he's just, he is opting not to do these things. And I think, yes, he is absolutely like one of, he's a great goal scorer and no one has ever, I think, tried to take that away from him. Um, but it's like like you said like at what cost like are is manchester united like giving up a more fluent style like in order to accommodate him and in this game like i think if he comes on at halftime that's the sort of like situation that you would want to employ him in and or deploy him in i guess and like I don't know the fact that he's playing 90 minutes, every single game just absolutely blows my mind. Like I just, I don't get it. Um, but you know, he's getting the goals. And like you said, like I think it's tough for United because they have not really had a good performance in Europe yet in four games. They've been outplayed by via real again, late goal, like late goals. They lost in Switzerland. they, Uh, you know, needed another late goal again at home to Atalanta needed to salvage a late goal. Like they have in four matches, not played one. They have not had one good performance, like, or one complete performance in Europe. And I think if I'm a United fan, like, yes, it's awesome that they've like snagged these late goals and there's a lot of like intensity and emotion around it. But to me, that's like extremely troubling.
0: Yeah, there, the, I, I would agree that there's not been one complete performance. There have been moments. Yeah, I mean, there's a moment here. I mean, the, I think the second goal is a beautiful.
1: Oh, it's unbelievable! Sequence. The
0: the, the back heel from from Bruno Fernandes, who I I had my doubts about whether the two of them would combine well because you know for the national team it's been kind of if, iffy. Yeah. Um, but you know they do in this in this instance. Um. Yeah, I mean. Do we think this changes anything for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Because the last time you and I spoke, I said, you know, despite this throttling by Liverpool, he could go on to win the next couple games or at least get some results. And, you know, I think it's dampened some of the noise for a little bit um, that they're continuing on in Europe. But what do you make of that?
1: Yeah, well, I think, weirdly enough, I think – as you know as much as the tottenham game was a kind of return to winning ways in the premier league and it got you know i think a lot of people understood that that was you know a united team coming up against like a team that was even more in in disarray and like just completely rudderless at that point um this match i think was Binary in the result in like if United came out of this match without the point and were actually outside of qualifying, then the questions start to be asked because I think if they drop into the Europa League again, that is like problematic for Oli because now he's like impacting like the bottom line if that makes sense. Like he's, he's impact. Like if if they're not getting into the latter stages of the knockouts, then now you're starting to impact like the, the monetary output, (laughs) like, and the TV (laughs) revenue and all that sort of stuff. So I think, I, I I think that's where maybe the pressure starts to build a little bit more. Um, But yeah, now that they're top of the group and, you know, they're in control of their own destiny. Like, um, yeah, they could very well, I mean, they could easily go through as group winners and you know, then we're not even really having a conversation about only cause yeah, they advanced in the champions league and you know, then they, you just try your hand in the knockouts, I guess. But, um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think he's relieved the pressure on himself a little bit because, um, I thought the emotion of the five nil would be enough. Like I thought that the outcry would be, would be enough. Um, and United kind of called everyone's bluff and then he beats Spurs, like does enough to, to draw in Bergamo. And yeah, I think, I mean, I think everybody's kind of accepted that he's not going anywhere. Like,
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's just fascinating how he continues to kind of, survive um and you know he got the job by surviving in in the champions league so yeah. um yeah who knows and then once we get into the knockouts that's when things become very interesting because then that becomes even more um random and mm-hmm. and we know cristiano Ronaldo shines in those those kind of environs so yeah um Manchester United are going to win the Champions League, aren't they? Fuck.
1: Oh god. Okay, let's not get <laughs> carried away.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah.
1: Um, elsewhere elsewhere in the group, it was just to round out group F in the chat as you said. Uh Villarreal <laughs> beat Young Boys uh 2-0 in Spain and uh Danjuma scored again for Villarreal, so he's been he's been an inspired signing. Uh Not to toot my own horn, but, um, no, the, uh, so yeah, group F, um, shaping up United top of the group, despite, (laughs) despite what we've said, um, and their level on points with Via Real, um, and then Atalanta in third and needing, needing a win, um, to, to see themselves through against, they're going to have to beat Via Real basically, um, or hope that United slip up. So, um, but still all to play for in, in group F, um, not so, uh, for their local rivals, uh, Liverpool Two no winners over Atletico Madrid. Um, and, uh, by virtue of that win, Liverpool after four games are through to the knockouts and, uh, as group winners also, um, and Atleti, Dropped to third, so that group is looking real weird because it's Liverpool, Porto, Atleti, AC Milan.
0: <laughs> Bizarre, yeah. And, and 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 people were sounding this out as the group of death. I think I was as well. But Liverpool have been incredible. Uh, them and Iron really in in this competition have just been uh, you know in a class of, of themselves. And I think they were dominant against Atleti at, at Anfield. Um, you know, some, something about these Atletico kits, there's just like some Dr. Seuss, like vibes I get from it. And boy, <laughs> do they play like clouds in them as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Felipe, shocker, uh, yeah, I get, he gets sent off for the professional foul, which I thought was fascinating because I just you don't always see that even though it probably should be and so it's like yeah. this is right but odd. Um, yeah, and he's been in in really mixed form of late as well. Um, and again, I'm just wondering where these goals are coming from because if it's not from Luis Suarez, uh, it's 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 a little dicey. I mean, and they're they're coming off having throttled Real Betis. Um at the weekend. Yeah. Um, so, you know, who are not a joke, um, but Shoddy defensively and, and Liverpool are just another level and they were comfortable. Um yeah, I think they keyed on uh, Mo Mosala a bit too much and allowed all <laughs> the others to work. So yeah, it's just really, really professional Liverpool and and they're pretty comfortably through to the knockouts.
1: Yeah, it's um it was it was a, a a good performance. Obviously, changed it has it changed pretty significantly by the red card. Um, I think the the interesting thing for me was, you know, Liverpool are missing uh, a couple of pieces here and there in terms of like players going out injured, and we actually saw Alex oxlade Chamberlain slot into midfield and he hasn't typically been a, a starter in this midfield setup, but with the injury to Nabiketa, um he he was in there and uh this midfield, despite the fact that it had this piece in Ox of you know someone who hasn't consistently started in there. Uh Ox Hendo Fabinho was actually like had a really nice balance to it. Um and I think Oxley Chamberlain actually acquits himself like extremely well in this game. Um, he, I, I think you know, you know, from his time at Arsenal, like in terms of advancing the ball, he's probably one of the better players in the Premier League at being able to take the ball 10 to 20 yards in a flash. Like he's just so quick over like those shorter spaces um, and having Fabinho in there, was such a game changer as well. Like he's been hurt recently him coming back to the team. It just like, there's a lot of stuff that becomes dangerous for teams that when Fabinho is in there, he's cutting that out before it's reaching that point. Um, and so yeah, Liverpool rebound from, from a slip up against Brighton at the weekend in the premier league. And, um, yeah, back to winning ways. Um, a couple of good goals as well. And then just kind of once the red card happened, I think like Liverpool had some chances, but not dissimilar to United kind of like took their foot off the gas after, after they were reduced. And especially in the second half, it was very much like, Hey, let's just see this out. Um, But yeah, for all the, for all the groups that Liverpool, they've made like a sport of making the last group stage game um, matter immensely and be this like big dramatic occasion. Um And now this season, the last two technically won't matter at all Um, as they, they're already group winners, which is just, yeah, a crazy situation to be in given the strength of the group.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, one thing that I had doubts about about Liverpool is the squad depth. So that's nice that they've kind of wrapped it up in a bow early because yeah. then that gives Klopp the option to rotate and, and play players that you definitely could not play if yeah. you were still trying to get through. So um yeah, and you picked Liverpool to to win the Champions League. So so far so good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> still a ways to go, so we'll see what happens, but uh but yeah, um although I the worrying thing was in the post-match uh someone asked like, "Well, are you going to rotate for these last two games?" cuz they asked Jurgen Klopp. Um and <laughs> Fenway sports group have him have him trained uh because <laughs> he was like well you can you win like quite a bit of money for uh winning champions league games so um like there's a lot of prize money so you know we'll we'll go for it basically
0: um <laughs> <laughs> oh my god
1: <laughs> I think it I think it is almost like three million pounds per win um in the champions league it's 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 quite a bit of money like when you, and and it is paid out like based on the result. So it is, it's an interesting dynamic that doesn't get talked about as, as often, but Klopp was all over it. He's like, there's cash out there. Like I got to fund my summer signings.
0: I can't. <laughs> this brother's starving.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as we said, the other the other match in that group was a 1-1 draw between Milan and Porto, which, you know, neither team, t- like, really benefited from, I guess, Porto more so than Milan, as that was Milan's first point, um, having lost their previous three. Um, it's going to take time. It's going to yeah.
0: take time for, for Milan.
1: Yeah, they've been fully, fully into the into the earthy loam. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other, the other kind of seismic result, I guess you would say was, um, the Ajax three and Dortmund one. Um, I mean, another sending off makes a difference in this game. Mats hum Hummel sent off on the half hour, but Dortmund still take the lead and this is in this is in the the Westfalen stadion. So like this is the signal of Duna Park. This is <laughs> this is in Dortmund. Um and Ajax, despite the advantage, they are able to equalize and then Sebastian Allaire got gets what proved to be the, the winning goal um about eight minutes from time. And uh this Ajax team just continues to be a problem. Um in europe for uh for this group they've they're you know four wins from four and fourteen goals for two against
0: yeah and and they're i think their goal difference is similar in uh the Area visas they are just blowing people away right now It's really amazing how Ajax can just retool <laughs> because they've got such an incredible uh, academy and incredible scouting department um yeah, the, you know, to come from behind and, and in in the Signal Iduna Park is, is no mean feat. And there's just something about this Dorman side that is not uh, intimidating without Holland, I think. Um, yeah. I think uh, opponents treat them differently when Holland is leading the line. Um, and, you know, while that may sound pretty reductive, I think there is something to that. Um, because he just has this presence, um, physically and you know mentally for for his opponents. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Matt Tummler signing, like or the Matt Tummel's red card, uh, if you will, had the uh had, you know, quite a bit of impact on this. Did you think it was a red?
1: I it it's a tough one for me. I I know we like we had kind of talked about it. Um and. When I first saw it, the way that the contact happened, I actually thought it was kind of harsh because uh, as Hummels dives in, Antony is, uh, he's he's coming from Antony's like blind side, I guess. So he, it's actually the the Brazilian who steps on Mats Hummels, I think, and that's how he kind of like goes flying. And when I saw that back, I was like, oh, well, this red is going to get overturned just because of the nature of the contact. Um, But I guess it's one of those things, like, I can see why it's been given because the tackle is so violent in, like, the speed.
0: Yeah, Anthony, he was having a great game, um, to be fair to him. But this one, he really sold, I think, to the referee because – like you said, the contact is really initiated by him. I mean, yeah, but I mean, when you slow down the the, I guess I won't even call it a foul because I think Anthony really sells it. He's the one stepping on Matamos. Yeah. But when you slow it down, it looks like Matamos is a you know parallel with the ground and and you know he's he's moving at a you know a rate of speed that makes it look worse than it is. So yeah, I think ultimately it's harsh, but um and i can see how a referee would be fooled but really when you have var i just don't understand how this is not getting overturned so
1: yeah yeah it it was a really strange one and i think i think it's maybe one of those that you chalk up in the like if it wasn't a red on the field it definitely wouldn't have been given as a red in review but it's not been seen as like a clear and obvious error because <laughs> like hummel's does dive in Um, and there is contact and all that stuff, but yeah, I think, I think Antony does, I think he kind of, kind of buys the red, um, with some of the, the violence of his fall, um, or like the (laughs) exaggeration of it. Um, yeah, I think it does help them out a bit, but to, you know, to not take too much away from, from Ajax, like, and Antony in particular, the, the kid is balling out, especially in the Champions League, um, and grabs another assist um on Alair's uh uh you know the the second goal. Um I think he actually assists both of the last two because he I think he's the one who plays the pass across to um to Klaassen for the tap in for the third. Um
0: yeah he so, was incredible.
1: Yeah um some about South Americans um, at IX, huh?
0: Yeah, but also I just wanted to say um, thoughts and prayers to uh, future generations of um, Tadic <laughs> because
1: oh. he absolutely
0: <laughs> clatters into the post <laughs> oh, no. to score that goal in the in a place where the sun don't shine, and uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was that was tough uh, viewing. And
0: <laughs> for men, I'm sure. And even for me, I was like cringe like that looks so painful.
1: <laughs> What's especially bad about it is like <laughs> is the fact that he's like he's trying to like celebrate. And like but his teammates also, are like
0: holding his balls to his body, fully
1: holding his balls. <laughs> like you're on you're being broadcast to like millions of homes and you have you know your your family jewels like firmly in your hand because you're trying to just like not vomit on (laughs) in front of in front of millions um yeah um this is crazy i you know and and so (laughs) he sold out for a reason though. And it does, at least he scored. Cause like, God forbid he had missed and that had happened. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. If he
0: did all that to miss like,
1: yeah. Like thank yeah. God he scored. Um, but Ix come away the winners. And, um, I, I failed to mention during the Liverpool game. It was the first time that Liverpool had ever, have ever opened a champions league campaign with four straight wins in the group stage. Like they've never won their first four games of the group mm. stage similarly and maybe even more impressively Ajax became the first dutch side to win their first four matches in a in a champions league campaign ever like no dutch side has ever done it Ajax the first um wow. and it's the first Impressive. time that they've won four consecutive matches in the champions league since march of 96 um so this is like serious like rarefied air for for Ajax right now and they they look absolutely like I would say and this is going to sound bold because obviously (laughs) I'm about to compare them to a a team that went to a Champions League semifinal but this team right now looks miles beyond that champion like how good that team was and that was an extremely good team um but in terms of how serious they look from the get go like this team looks like they could go deep right now there is no like magic associated like they look at, they look like they could give a game to anybody at really? the moment so yeah it's crazy you have them
0: over Ziac Deong silly <sighs> interesting i
1: mean on purely stati- purely like statistically and i think the biggest difference for me like with this team is the fact that they are they're exciting but the thing that is catching my eye like domestically and in europe is the goals allowed they've allowed two goals through 11 in in the air division two goals through four in the champions league and like these are not slouch teams either like I know Besiktas is like having a pretty torrid time, but sporting are the Portuguese champions and Dortmund are obviously, you know, one of the biggest clubs in Germany. So they're I just I don't think this is a case of like Ajax just, you know, picking on like teams that are ripe for the taking or something like these are serious squads that they are handling quite easily
0: for sure for sure yeah they're i need to watch more Atletico because they're just tearing it up in every competition they're in so
1: yeah yeah um so yeah that group um Besiktas bottom sporting actually um above Dortmund now i think if i saw that right sporting did their did their duty against besiktas and went out and beat them 4-0 um Oh, no. So they're third, but only because of the head-to-head with Dortmund, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So level on points. And uh, so st- Sporting and still in next. with a chance. And they play, yeah. Yeah. Huge game. Like, whoever wins probably... Qu- well, basically, the winner qualifies, essentially. <laughs> um right. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. So, um, yeah, all to play for. Um so as we kind of close things out, the teams that are through to the knockout so far, Liverpool, Ajax, Bayern and Juve, um Bayern in their game, um they made pretty light work of Benfica. Um a hat trick from Robert Lewandowski. And uh I think the stat going around was he has scored 82 82 goals in his first 100 Champions League appearances, and that's more than either Messi or Ronaldo in their first 100.
0: I I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is unreal.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. Give this man the Ballon d'Or. Like, please, somebody.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people are trying to make the case for Kyrie Benzema, and that is extremely uh recency bias. Yeah. Even though I think he's fantastic,
1: but uh yeah. I'm just on the like just please don't give it to Jorginho for the love of god. Um oh my god. Like let football be the winner. Like <laughs> If you need to, if you must give it to an Italian, like just give it to somebody else. Um I don't know, Kiesa or something, which that wouldn't even make sense. But anyways, um, (laughs) Byron, (laughs) Byron through and uh, in their in their group uh, was Barcelona and Dinamo Kiev played. This is an extremely weird game because. um, Barcelona are like so deep in it right now that they need a 70th minute winner from Ansu Fati who continues to look like the, the messy regen that he was being like billed as um, and a <laughs> no uh, huge goal for Barcelona to keep them in it. Because like if they draw this game, they would only be a single point above Benfica and put a ton of pressure on that game. They now have a little bit of wiggle room in second place, but I mean, yeah. Needing needing that bailout in Kiev from from your eighteen year old Wonder Kid, you know, um not a not not a particularly great look for Barca. Um and uh Juve also threw as um as we saw it four two win for Juve um against Zen at St. Petersburg and uh
0: They've got four straight wins. They are doing what the, in the Champions League what they couldn't do with Ronaldo, which I think is hilarious, <laughs> um, because you know in, in Serie A they are leaving much to be desired right now. But four yeah. straight wins, nine goals, um, only two conceded, and and qualified.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're through. Chelsea still need a point um, from their last two games to to confirm. Um, And they play Juve next, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, so Juve with nothing to play for now though, in that group. So, um, not as, not as big of an issue, I guess, um, elsewhere, uh, Wolfsburg finally put, finally like got something out of a, out of a champions league game and, um with new with new boss uh Florian Kofelt who went from getting Werder Bremen relegated to now he's in the Champions League with Wolfsburg. Um That
0: caught me out. <laughs> like someone was someone tweeted like I didn't see that he got hired and I'm like wait, wait what?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, another short appointment with Van Bommel being basically immediately out at at Wolfsburg and now um yeah, the Kofelt era and winning ways against a good RB Salzburg side who were top, you know are top of the group still. Um and then elsewhere to inject even more chaos into that group, Lille beat Sevilla. Um so that group, similarly to the to group F, um group G is <laughs> RB Salzburg top with seven points, Leal with five, Volzburg with five, and Sevilla with three. So literally any of these teams with the, in the last in these last two matches any team can still win the group and any team can still go bottom. So it's just like that's I
0: will scream if Justin Glover next Leo win the group.
1: <laughs> oh man. Although they do seem to be finding a little bit of something like they look they yeah. look decent recently, like somewhat coherent.
0: A little bit, a little bit. <laughs>
1: Uh, Real Madrid still waiting to fully qualify um, after a win, another win against Shakhtar Donetsk, which means they do the double over Shakhtar, which um, avenges Shakhtar's (laughs) dominance over Madrid last season. Um, And then uh, Inter and Sheriff, I think Inter won, if I'm not. Yeah, 3-1 Inter beat Sheriff. Um, And uh, so it's between madrid inter and and well i should say sherif right like not not sheriff, but <laughs> sherif <laughs> um but yeah madrid inter sherif all still technically can qualify um
0: shout out inter because they have struggled in the champions league over the recent season so yeah. for them to still be fighting up there is is good for them and for italian football so
1: um man city uh, did the job over club Brugge again, um, and, uh, city and PSG look like they're sitting pretty, but Brugge can still with a couple of wins. they could still pull something off here. Um, if PSG slip up, which speaking of PSG <laughs> drew RB Leipzig in a late, uh, a late showbush penalty, um, rescued a point for, for Leipzig. Um, a Genie Wijnaldum brace for PSG. Wow. Yeah. He's had a
0: tough time at PSG.
1: He sure Um, has. Um, Trying to fit in. Yeah. little bit of a different look in midfield that they went with this time too because they went with Idris Gay and and, uh, Pereira next to Wijnaldum. So a little bit different different vibe. Um,
0: Did you see the uh, post-match... Little clip that's been going around from Slobosh live for the penalty. He said, Uh, Neymar asked him, like, Are you gonna score? and he was like, Yeah. He's like, Why? He's like, Because I never miss, it is what it is. <laughs> 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 he's like, God damn, that man,
1: he, he's he got he's definitely got the, the confidence to be one of the best. Um, well,
0: he's he hits the ball like,
1: <sighs> Yeah
0: like some of the best of them.
1: Yeah. Um and that that about rounds it up I think for the Champions League. So, um do we chat the Europa mess?
0: Yeah, let's do a little bit of that.
1: Um no better place to start with mess than in the Stade Vélodrome in Marseille they have seen plenty of it this year and with Jorge Sampaoli at, at the helm. Um, this team is prone to chaos and, uh, him and Maurizio, Sarri got into a, got into a shootout today two two. It ended and Dimitri Payet, the, uh, the goal scorer, um, to rescue the point for Marseille, um, watching this goal. And if you get the chance, like just catch the highlight of this because the noise in that stadium when Pius scored the equalizer was like special. Like that was a extreme, that stadium gets extremely loud. Um, And it was, uh,
0: it's been designed that way. I think, I think I read somewhere that they, I mean, it is a very unique design, but they designed it with acoustics in mind. And so, yeah, one of the most intimidating atmospheres in Europe, but you know, I'm going to admit I missed this one because I watched the first matchup in the Olympico and it was boring as hell. I was so pissed <laughs> other than seeing, uh, Sully would get ragdolled by, um, Immobile. So <laughs> this was much better though. Two two. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well, you yeah. were saying Marseille should have won probably, right? Marseille
1: definitely should have won. Um, 21 shots for Marseille to five for <laughs> Lazio. Um and this was this was a case of like smash and grab a little bit. And sorry almost pulled it off like to perfection because Felipe Anderson scores a goal like late in first half stoppage time, which was the equalizer. And then right out of halftime they come and grab a second. And it was it was almost that like perfect timing in terms of like that gut punch right before you go into the halftime locker room of, you know, you think you're going in one nil up for Marseille. They go in, you know, level. And then right after you come out, out of that team talk at halftime, you get, you give up a second. It's like, it felt very like the timing was very much against Marseille. Um, And they've, they ultimately they've done well to come back and, and get the point. I think there are a couple of moments and Arkadiusz Millik will look at one in particular, one miss in particular towards the end as being like, well, this was the moment. Like he had a pretty clear sight of goal and he just blazed over. I think he just like snatches at it a little bit and um, Mm -hmm. maybe saw his, his name up in lights uh, sort of thing. So um, yeah, it was tough and, and it was, I was almost willing. I wanted it to happen, not because I was it, wishing any ill on Lazio or or wanting Marseille to win particularly, but I just know that the stadium would have been absolutely up for grabs if a winner had gone <laughs> in, and that would have the scenes would have been absolutely worth it. Um, yeah, so for sure. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it ended in a draw, which left um in this group for as <laughs> for as much of a struggle as Besiktas are going through in the champions league Galatasaray are top of this group actually with Lazio and Marseille in it. Um, and, uh, our, our sister club, our, our, our local clubs, sister club locomotive Moscow, um, <laughs> is, uh, is bottom. So, um, not damn. out yet though because Marseille still just four points from four they've drawn all four of their games in the Europa League so far Lazio um just a point better on 5 and Galatasaray's top with with 8 so um still plenty to play for in in that group and um it would have been nice to see a decisive result from Marseille but unfortunately four draws from four so
0: damn
1: um the match you watched, mm. unfortunately for for you, um, <laughs> it must be said, Leverkusen for Rail Betis nil. Um, Rail Betis on the end of another kind of kicking here, uh, having just gone through this um, at the weekend, and weird because this probably doesn't tell the whole story of the match. Yeah. Um, and I mean, in fairness, on 86 minutes, it was 2-0. And this yeah, is one that yeah. kind of got out of hand at the end for Betis in terms of the, sc- the overall scoreline. But this was like actually kind of a close match.
0: It was, yeah. I don't I don't think Betis were as, you know, horrible as 4 nil would lead you to believe if you didn't watch the match. Um, Nabil Fakir, he banged one off the crossbar um, with a free kick that just, you know, inches from dipping under um, and and passed Radetzky. So, I mean, that, uh, you know, Borja Iglesias had a couple chances as well. Fikir had other chances from open play. So, I mean, yeah. it wasn't all bad. But I will say um, Gerard Ceolani has this Leverkusen side absolutely humming. I mean, the pace all up and down this side, The the stamina, I mean, there's people still making sprints in the 89th minute um it's just incredible uh they were first to every ball um and even when betis would would get into the attacking third the the speed of play was just not anywhere near where it should be and that's unfortunately i think that's kind of indicative of of spanish football right now i mean that it is a bit slower and more deliberate um and and you know, focused on, on structures and team play and stuff. And I think sometimes Betis can suffer from that, even though they are one of the more vibrant teams, I think in La Liga attacking wise, but their, their defense is always going to be their downfall. I don't think it's good enough. I mean, you've got people like Mark Bartra, um, uh, who else? Edgar, Edgar Gonzalez, who is actually more of like a defensive midfielder, Uh, Victor Ruiz, who, who was his best days were probably at Villarreal, went over to Turkey for a bit, then came back to Spain. So, um, Petzela, who I want to like badly, but every time he plays, like, there's just at least <laughs> a mistake in him, at least one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, you know, Hector Bellerin, who's on loan and not the player that he once was, uh, the, the back line just has a lot of questions, I think. Um, and and I think, you know, you have to look at Manuel Pellegrini a little bit, too, with some of these these results, because his his rotation his f- philosophy about picking the team is really weird like i can't really place what it is he's trying to do because um he rested a lot of folks at the weekend um uh, at the trip to the one of and they got kicked there too yeah so i thought okay you're going to play you know a strong a strong lineup in in germany and not really i mean there were i, I would start juan me he goes out with aitor rival which i don't understand um just some weird choices and he, he rotates a lot. And so I think that is hurting that decent away, especially at the back. Cause we know continuity is very important for, for a back line. Um, and I couldn't tell you who the actual pair is. It keeps changing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think there's a, something going on there with, with team selection that something, I think they need to settle into something and, and stop the tinkering, um, but yeah, Leverkusen though were incredible. Musa Diaby is the one that that you, we call out for this one. Two goals, yeah. two assists, just absolutely ripping. Um, Alex Moreno and and whoever to shreds. Um, Jeremy Frimpong was really good too. Another yeah. player with bags of pace. The two of them like combine and and just terrorize people um, in the Bundesliga as well. Um, and yeah, they were they were incredible um and Sewani is a serious serious manager. I think that if you're you know if you're a club that's really looking to to play this kind of high tempo um attacking style, you might want to think about prying him from Leverkusen in the coming years cuz he's I think he's really special.
1: Yeah. Yeah, The, this is actually to me this is a really important win for Leverkusen because they started the season extremely well. And then they were on the end of a beating at the hands of Bayern Munich. Uh, not it wasn't the you know dramatic loss that they suffered last season, but it was dramatic in the scoreline where they went out and got and got absolutely hammered five one on October seventeenth. And since then, they had drawn Betis in the Europa League, drawn against Köln lost to Karlsruhe in the, in the Pokal and then lost to 10 man Wolfsburg. Um, so this was very, very important in terms of arresting that like season breaking slide that they went through last season. For sure. Um, yeah. after, after they went, uh, you know, toe to toe with Bayern, um, and it was looking like it happened again. And I'm like, Oh my God, like new manager, same, <laughs> same, result when you when you get beat by Bayern and um yeah so I think them bouncing back with a win was really, really important. And um they have they have Hertha at the weekend. And I think it's just gonna be, you know, important for this Leverkusen side to translate this win into some momentum in the Bundesliga because um they are, you know, for my money, one of the better squads in the Bundesliga. And it'll just be about like maintaining some of that confidence around the team and seeing through like what is kind of a difficult period, um, to make sure that they're still in these like upper reaches of the table. Cause I think ultimately this Leverkusen side should be playing champions league football next season. Um, right. it's just a matter of whether they can maintain some sort of momentum over the over the course of the Bundesliga season. So um yeah, lots of I I I really do think that that was a a big big win for them to bounce back. Um notable results elsewhere um it's always always a little bit strange when you see the leaders of La Liga go draw 1-1. Um, with Sturm Graz uh <laughs> Real Sociedad unable to unable to um find a second despite having just an absolute like barrage of shots on goal. Um 30 total shots. Um they were only able to get nine on target though, which I guess maybe tells the story of the match, but um thirty right. yeah, thirty total shots to seven for Sturm Graz. Um but the Austrians able to hold out for for a point there. Um, Leicester one, one with Spartak Moscow in the King power. So Leicester city now third in their Europa League group, Napoli and, and Legia Warsaw actually ahead of them. So, um, I mean, not shocking that Napoli's up there, but the Polish side doing, doing a little bit of, uh, surprising, although they didn't, They didn't shock Napoli at all. After the 10th minute, they actually took the lead and then Napoli um, bullied their way back into it. Shuki Lozano got a goal as well um, for Napoli um, as they won 4-1. Gank, late equalizer against West Ham. It looked like Saeed Ben Rama had actually won it in the 82nd um, with his second goal of the game. But uh, Thomas Suchek scores an own goal and and Gank actually come away with a a point. Um, West Ham still top of the group, um, notably. And I mean, as we said, as we were saying, like. David Moyes. Finding a way to perform in the Europa League while also still performing well in the premier league, which has not traditionally been a very easy task for a lot of teams.
0: For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of, I think it was Everton a couple of years ago when they were in the Europa league and it was, they had a torrid time trying to manage that. Um, and yeah, West Ham are fighting well on all fronts. I mean, credit to them and I have to shout them out too, because they're unbeaten in the Europa league yeah. three wins and a draw and, and pretty comfortably top right now, um, with, with Dina Zagreb um, four points behind. So just really interesting times for the East London side. And, and they, they just keep going.
1: They, uh, they could have advanced to the knockouts with a win, but unfortunately the draw means that they'll have to wait, um, at least one more game for that. um, Yeah. Elsewhere, uh, Celtic found a way to around Fer- uh, Ferenc Veros, which was this was like just a crazy kind of like goal fest. Five five goals there. And um, it was also extremely confusing because Ferenc Veros also wear green and white stripes. It's not hoops, obviously. I know, I know it's vertical stripes. But when <laughs> both teams are wearing like vibrant greens, it's. Extremely difficult when you go into the into a match thinking celtic and then a team in green and white stripes scores, and it's not them um that's just <laughs> an extremely jarring thing to watch, and I'm sure Celtic fans had a had a hell of a time trying to keep up with this one but um but yeah, uh, a three two win for celtic and um as far as advancement not a lot of teams have actually like stamped their ticket to the knockouts. I think Leon is one of the few, um, as they beat Sparta Prague and the rest of that group's been kind of shocking. So, um, with Rangers and Bronby, the, the other two teams, um, and Sparta Prague are actually, are actually second, but Leon are, are through as, as group winners. Um, and, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt went to went to Greece and got a result and are top of their Euro- Europa League group despite being just one place above the relegation places in the Bundesliga.
0: Yeah, they they a couple of days ago they lost to Bochum who are newly promoted. <laughs> yeah. Um then then drew Leipzig, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but they need more points in in the Bundesliga. They've been pretty abject. Yeah, just 9 points. And only one win. So, yeah, pretty (laughs)
1: shocking. Get this. Eintracht have more points in the Europa League than in the Bundesliga. (laughs) They have 10 points from four in the Europa League and nine points from, what, 11 in the Bundesliga? Or 10? Yeah. Nine from from 10. 10. (laughs) And 10 from four in the the Europa League, so.
0: Yeah, I mean... they they really feel like a one one man team right now. If Philip Kostic is not delivering then they they struggle. Yeah.
1: Um so Well Mika, uh I think that about brings us to the end of the football chat. Um and we've got the small matter of our Sons of the Season playlist, uh a a Spotify playlist that we add to each week. We add a a couple of tracks a piece um and uh you can find it on Spotify by searching Sounds of the Season this is season 2 um growing each uh each episode so Mika your uh what do you have for in terms of additions to the playlist
0: so i have gone with uh, a heavier song but one that's actually really kind of groovy it's got a really nice guitar melody and that's uh, bottom feeder by parkway drive um, no particular reason, um, really for this one. It's just a good song. And I feel like I've, I've been slacking on putting like heavier stuff. You <laughs> usually carry the mantle for that. So I've, I've gone with the Australians here for this one. The other song though is very on the nose and it's, it's just a commentary on the manager around. I've gone with a song called wild world by turnstile. <laughs> um, and there's a, there's a line in this song that's very much like, uh, you know, explains soccer and it's, it says every high, you know, comes with a low, 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 <laughs> <laughs> it was just the up and down nature of, of the sport. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it is indeed a wild world, uh, in, in, in association football right now. So yeah, those are mine. What about you?
1: Yeah, I've got a couple. I, and I went, um, I guess I, in both, in both cases, I went kind of like post, hardcore atmospheric sort of vibes um so the first is a band called imminence um with their song um Heaven in Hiding, which is basically <laughs> we. We haven't chatted this episode and we we did we didn't uh talk about we didn't talk about Jose Mourinho and and whatever in
0: Roma kind
1: of whatever kind of nonsense is going on with um
0: They have not beaten Bodo Bodo Glimped uh
1: <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever is going on there. But um but there's basically uh a lyric in the song of uh like I see the wolf beneath the skin. I see the darkness (laughs) grow within or something. And so I'm just like, this is Jose Mourinho. Like the villain turn is we're, we're well into like third season Mourinho now, um, where he's just like slating the players and everything. So anyways, like that was the, um, that was my (laughs) thought for the first one. And Boto glimpse, just shout out to them. They actually score like their goal. Um, if you haven't seen their, their goal against Roma, like, it's so screamer. good. And, uh, yeah, yeah. absolute. Banger. I retweeted
0: it. So go, uh, go I was like,
1: that. what do you do
0: in Roma? <laughs> Which is really harsh. Cause the, the goal is, <laughs>
1: it's such a good goal.
0: Ridiculous. I think
1: Boto Glimp are like sneaky, really good. Like, I think that's, I think they that's won part the of it.
0: League. Like they're, they won the league. Yeah.
1: Like I think <laughs> that they are
0: from a tiny town in the fucking Arctic circle.
1: So <laughs> they're, they are from a tiny town in fucking middle earth. <laughs>
0: right yes excuse me you exposed that long ago on tiktok um
1: Um, and then my my second choice is is a classic um and that is um the song it never ends by bring me the horizon and this is my ode to the manager merry-go-round of (laughs) we're just gonna like be riding this thing until we all die like it never ends it just continues to go um and uh yeah just the madness associated also it took me back and it's given me reason to um go back and listen to their album there's a hell believe me i've seen it uh and Mm -hmm. that album is so good just like what a classic um and what a what an era of 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 bring me the horizon, um, who have, you know, been all over the map, I guess, since then, musically speaking in in a good way. Um, like, but yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's always, uh, just a classic banger of an album. So, um, yeah, you guys can find that that playlist on Spotify, as I said, and, um, hopefully you enjoy it is season two is growing season one is a full of um, full on like weeks worth of songs basically that you you would have to make your Correct. way through um a lot of music uh on both and hopefully you can follow along with those and enjoy with us um but mika i think that about i think that about does it
0: that does it just uh you know get a get at us on twitter and Claim the stickers before they're all gone i 've got mm-hmm. a lot of people already in the dm so shout out to you all, but yeah, um, I think that's it though
1: yeah, and i mean like like Mika was saying you know with uh with the demand, you know there may be maybe more stickers in the in the future if there's enough demand, and who knows there may be other things like if if you guys like the logo enough we 'll see
0: <laughs> Jake is trying to get us to do a kit. <laughs>
1: we'll dial up we'll dial up Icarus and see what they can see what they can gen up but um (laughs) but yeah no so for for everyone who who's made it this far and enjoyed um follow like subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice um we really appreciate it and uh yeah follow us on twitter at hxc football and until next time um we'll uh We'll see you, everybody. Stay well.